Hi everyone, happy Sunday and welcome to the season one finale of Nobody Likes You. Today's episode will be on narcissistic personality disorder. We'll talk about what it is, the subtypes, the nine most common traits, how people get diagnosed, how it develops, treatment options, etc. I'll get into my personal experiences with people who have shown these traits as well. For my research, I used an article called Tell Me All I Need to Know About Narcissistic Personality Disorder, written by Krista Soriano on a website called SciComm. As a disclaimer also, I will also be referring to narcissistic personality disorder as NPD throughout this podcast. So what exactly is narcissistic personality disorder? So a healthy, even sometimes inflated, sense of self can be a good thing. In fact, some researchers believe those who have somewhat grandiose views of themselves are mentally tougher, less stressed, and at, at less at risk for depression. However, narcissism, narcissism it's going to be a mouthful this whole time, exists on a spectrum. On one side, it's craving the occasional compliment. On its darkest side, it can creep into pathological territory. While someone with NPD's self-esteem can be off the charts, ironically, it can also be super fragile, dependent on external validation or self-deception. They'll make up and believe these insane fantasies about themselves easily put other people down and generally hijack any conversation or situation to make them themselves feel better or superior. Feeling less than perfect is very uncomfortable for a narcissist, and they'll protect themselves from it at all costs. A personality disorder, like NPD, is mainly about disturbed relationships. People with just personality disorders in general, have a lifetime of struggles with intimate interpersonal relationships with their family, friends, coworkers, etc. And that's especially true for those with narcissistic personality disorder. There are four subtypes of narcissism as well. The first one is the covert narcissist, or also called the vulnerable narcissist, which is basically the exact opposite of the stereotype. Instead of craving the spotlight and constant admiration, covert narcissists tend to be shy, self-effacing, hypersensitive to how others perceive them, and chronically jealous. They often think their pain or suffering is worse than everyone else's, and may believe that they're just like the ugliest, worst person in the room at all times. They have, they're, they're narcissists because they have the most fragile self-esteem that you can imagine. And <clears throat> what people think of them is uh, what it depends on, truly. Second is the cerebral narcissist. Pretty simply put, they derive their self-importance from their intellect, believing they're smarter than everyone else. 
Um, third is the somatic narcissist. Somatic narcissists get their self-worth from their bodies. They tend to obsess over physical appearance, including weight, and uh, heavily (coughs) criticize others based on their appearance. Lastly, we have the spiritual narcissist. They use religion or spirituality to intimidate or justify harmful behaviors to others, They can creep in when an individual takes a holier-than-thou stance, overemphasizing their level of spirituality or closeness to God. Harmful behaviors can happen when, as an example, a church leader claims that they had a vision from God about someone else or that they're in a higher position to use biblical passages to control, hurt, or shame someone. Other types mentioned in NPD research include grandiose or overt, that's stereotypical, over-the-top, attention-seeking type, and high-functioning, meaning those who may use traits such as competitiveness and exploitation to succeed in a profession or endeavor. However, It should be noted that there is a broad spectrum of presentable traits with NPD, each with varying levels of severity, Um, so subtypes should be used as guides rather than hard and fast rules. So we have nine of the most common traits for NPD. One is having an inflated self uh, sense of self-importance and entitlement. Deep down, you feel like you're the best, most successful, competent, whatever in any situation. Uh, Two, needing constant admiration. Krista Soriano used the example, your self-esteem is like a balloon without a knot requiring a steady stream of attention, approval, and recognition to keep you keep it inflated. No matter how much someone tells you that they love you or look up to you, it feels like it's never enough. Three, expecting special treatment. Literally, whatever you want, you believe you deserve to have it because you're superior to everyone around you and they know it and should comply and just give it to you. Four, exaggerating achievements and talents. You have no problem embellishing the facts or even outright lying about your life, uh, resume, experiences, whatever. Uh, Five, reacting negatively to criticism. Even though you crave control and take full credit, when things are going well, you're quick to blame others when a situation doesn't go as planned. It's extremely hard to accept criticism or admit to mistakes because it's always someone else's fault and not yours. Six, being preoccupied with fantasies about power, success, and beauty. You tend to create and believe exaggerated, unrealistic narratives around your success, relationships, even how you look to help you feel special and in control. Anything that threatens the fantasy 
is rationalized away or simply ignored. You also want people to feel envious of you. And you feel pretty envious of people who have what you want. Seven, taking advantage of others. You often don't think twice about using or exploiting other people to achieve your own ends. Whether maliciously or obliviously, you care about your relationships and the people in your life on a superficial level. If they elevate your social status or make you look or feel good, for instance, you don't really think about how your behavior might affect them or their feelings. Um, It's just fully superficial. Eight, having an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. You're super sensitive to how people treat you and react to your needs and feelings. But on the flip side, you can't really put yourself in other people's shoes and empathize with their experiences. You might belittle others or even bully people to feel better about yourself. You never really go deep in any of your relationships either. And frankly, it truly just doesn't bother you that much. Um, Lastly, number nine, behaving in an arrogant manner. With an inflated ego and sense of superiority and entitlement, you probably insist on having the best everything. The best car, office, clothes, whatever, house. Monopolize conversations, look down on people you perceive as inferior, and only associate with those you think are equally special, successful, and talented. Diagnosing NPD. So, this is where it gets kind of tricky. A person needs to exhibit only 55% of these traits, symptoms, and behaviors to be considered narcissistic. But where's the line between being narcissistic with those tendencies or and like having... NPD as a diagnosed personality disorder. Nailing down NPD can be a little more complicated since narcissists tend to think that there's nothing wrong with them. They rarely get help or treatment. This in part may explain why we might feel we know and encounter a lot of people like this, but only an estimated 5% of people actually have an NPD diagnosis. A clinical NPD diagnosis is given to someone who's experiencing social and occupational impairment and subjective stress, which is just another way of saying that their narcissistic behavior is not only messing with their work and personal lives, but they're actually aware that it's destructive and it's making them uncomfortable, I guess. In other words, if a self-entitled, empathy-lacking person doesn't see a problem with the way they live their life, they're simply just a narcissist. A clinician usually won't officially diagnose a narcissist with NPD until they're struggling with their behavior and seek help to change it. So there's a line between showing 
uh, strong narcissistic tendencies and having an actual diagnosed personality disorder. And only a clinical psychologist can diagnose that. So how does it develop? There's no single cause of NPD, but researchers agree that both genetic and environmental causes are influential. Individuals with narcissistic personality disorder have been found to have less volume of gray matter in the left anterior insula, the part of the brain related to empathy, emotional regulation, compassion, and cognitive functioning. By definition, personality personality disorders are developed over time and through childhood experiences, genetics, and environment. As an adult, narcissistic traits on their own are not likely to develop into a personality disorder. Often, NPD will begin in the teenage years or early adulthood. Uh, Scientists believe that the full onset of NPD may occur when interpersonal development is compromised. For example, learning manipulative behavior from parents or peers, being excessively praised for good behavior, and excessively punished for bad behavior, severe childhood abuse or neglect, inconsistent caregiving from parent figures, having unrealistic expectations forced onto them, and being excessively praised, pampered, and admired without any realistic feedback to ground you with reality. Is there any treatment for NPD? So there are no prescription medications to help with narcissism, although how great would that be, right? Um, However, NPD very commonly coexists with other psychiatric conditions like depression and anxiety. So getting a prescription for those is possible and may in turn help with some NPD symptoms. But the most beneficial treatment for NPD is talk therapy or psychotherapy, um, which will help you in your interpersonal relationships, learning how to relate to others and strengthen the part of your brain that feels empathy. Talk therapy can also help you learn how to understand and regulate your emotions, tolerate criticism and failures, and may help minimize your desire to attain unrealistic goals. When it comes to personality disorders, the patients need to be a lot more motivated to make change than a regular therapy client. Progress doesn't come quick and easy and can be a long, arduous process. But the good news is studies have shown that people with NPD have been able to learn and feel empathy, which is the ultimate antidote for narcissism. Narcissism is also not as debilitating as some other psychiatric disorders in terms of taking care of yourself and being productive in your everyday life. So the focus on on the treatment will be mainly learning how to grow and maintain intimate relationships. As far as my personal experiences, I had an ex that showed a lot of these traits. He really 
put himself on a pedestal and worked really hard to be the most interesting person in the room at all times, even if that meant half his stories or facts about himself were lies. And after knowing this man for years, with gaps in between the time we spent together, I caught him in so many lies. I have an amazing memory also, and I trust it to be correct. When I first met him, I was still in high school and he was a couple years older. My guy friends flocked to this man the second I started spending time with him because he was so cool and interesting and edgy and they just literally worshipped this man and he fed off of it. He wouldn't take any criticism either, although it was very valid and downplay it because none of us had the life experience or the worldly intelligence that he had, even though he was fucking 19 years old, he would immediately get defensive and turn it around to tear the other person down in whatever way he could. He had a very, very fragile ego. He had tendencies of thinking that he was also way more attractive than anyone else and would assume that Everyone was trying to sleep with him at all, all all times. He was like, but he was really, really sensitive. Like I said, he had a really fragile ego. He would get upset and cry like often. He was very much like a tortured soul. But anytime I would get upset over very, very valid reasons, like cheating on me, I was just too sensitive. And he would tear me down even more. His emotions wildly affected his behavior. But to him, his emotions were the only ones that were valid. He lacked the ability to feel empathy. And I think he knew that. He would talk about the ways we were different. And, ex- and he would explain that he just wasn't as empathetic as I am. And how we just can't see eye to eye. Don't judge me for saying this as long as I did. I was young and (laughs) truly didn't have as much of an understanding of what's an acceptable way to treat me as I do now. Um, Even though I'm still, you know, still working on it. I was easily manipulated though. And he loved that. Of course, I'm not saying this to just drag this guy through the mud. It's just... It was just the perfect example. I hope that he's unlearned these behaviors this many years later, because this was a very, very long time ago now. But yeah, so maybe I'll do another episode next season about what to do if you're dating someone with these traits and tendencies. But for now, I I think I just kind of wanted to go over the basics, um... But yeah, this is the end of my season one finale. I'm going to take a break for a little while to focus on the technical and business aspects of my podcast and to just get some goddamn rest. Um, I'm currently in the middle of my peer support state training and certification, and so that's been pretty time-consuming 
I'm also getting ready to relocate to Long Beach with my best friend. Um, I've been working on interviewing at some jobs down there, still in the mental health field, but they're mainly behavioral therapist jobs for children with disabilities. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I'm also in the works of uh, possibly going back to school part-time for holistic integrative health and applied sciences, which will have a psychological component as well as learning Ayurveda medicine and physical wellness. And I'm very excited about that. Um, so hopefully I'll be going back in the fall for that, but I got to go through the whole, the whole admissions process. Um, fingers crossed that I get the scholarships I need and can continue my education and eventually be able to help people on a larger scale, which is the ultimate goal. Um, but yeah, thank you. I appreciate all of you for how much you have supported me in this new project of mine, and I will be back soon for season two. Bye-bye.